Welcome to Window of Opportunity, a Stargate rewatch podcast. I'm Carrie. I'm Rachel. Today we're talking about Stargate SG-1 Season 5, Episode 19, Menace. I'm just going to call it Replicators, the origin story. Yes. Which, of course, surprise, I didn't remember. I know. <laughs> I did. And I, I just say, like, if you had told me at some point we'd be getting, like, the Replicator origin story, I would have been like, why? But then I'm like, oh, this is actually not what I expected. And mm-hmm. it's actually kind of cool. I like this one a lot. I like that it kind of let you put the pieces together <laughs> um, mm. on your own, where you get little bits and pieces, and then your brain all of a sudden goes, oh, she made them. Yeah. <gasps> We're getting like the backstory. That's what's happening. And I, I kind of like that they, you know, they usually do have a character that literally out loud would be like, oh, she made the replicator. And they, I don't, I mean, they may have actually done that. And I am forgetting, but I like how they didn't do it until your brain caught up with what was happening. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. But like all tangents we have, we should probably go back and start at the beginning. <laughs> yes. Okay. So this episode originally aired on April 26, 2002. The story is by James Titchener, visual effects guy, oh. with the teleplay script written by Peter DeLuise, directed by Martin Wood. And on the commentary, we had Martin Wood and James Titchener. Oh, so do you suppose this was just something that was like rolling around in his head for a while? And he was like, so I've been giving the replicators an origin story in my brain. Like, I think so. Interesting. No one ever talked about it. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of interesting. They didn't really talk much about where the story came from, like where he got the idea. He just said, yeah, I had this. And then Peter wrote the script. It was like, okay, but where, why, how? I don't know. It was sort of one of the maybe like commentary things I thought they might talk about that they know that they didn't, mm-hmm. which was interesting. Maybe but they I didn't really remember. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Anyway, so in this episode, a dormant female android discovered on a barren planet is transported back to Earth for study. On reactivation, she exhibits a childlike innocence. But soon, SG-1 discovers that the seemingly innocent being may hold a dangerous secret. This is, of course, one of those episodes that our biggest comment is going to be, Oh, hey, look at this thing we know nothing about. It could be potentially dangerous. Let's bring it home. Yes. Again. That's what we do here. Again, intermediary planet. Please. Well, we have the alpha site now. Why can't we just do that? Because we need like a beta site for stuff like this, I feel like. And it was apparently hard enough getting the alpha site approved. So, Mm. yeah. Well, now we know of an abandoned planet. Yeah, that we do. Yep. Um, why could why don't we just take over that place? Yeah. Hmm, interesting. I vote. I vote that's the beta site. Okay. Yep. I'm 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 of an accord. Let's okay. do it. Okay. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> so this episode starts and SG one is off world. The place appears to be in ruins, though it does seem to have been an advanced society at one point. There's like lots of other overgrowth, but no bodies or anything anywhere. We see Tilk prying open the doors of a building where Sam is detained detecting faint energy readings they head inside and there's a body lying on top of like a plinth of sorts and they take this little sort of veil off her face and it's it's a woman she appears perfectly preserved 
Daniel suggests perhaps this was a tomb or a crypt of some kind, and Sam suggests it's more likely to be a science lab because the energy readings are coming from her. So knowing what we know now that she (laughs) put herself to sleep, are we guessing that she put the cover over herself as she was sleeping? I mean, I guess she would have to because she didn't go to sleep until everybody was dead. So yeah. Yes. Interesting. Yes. How very dramatic. Yes. All right. Um, interesting thing in the commentary. So you may have noticed that like Tilk was like way off in the background mm-hmm. during this scene, which is because this opening scene was filmed on September 11th. And like Chris actually has family in New York. So he kind of oh. wasn't in like the best place mentally for like that scene and like this whole episode, really. So just if you notice some weird Tilk stuff, that's why. No, oh, that he was trying his very best. Yes. Okay. Yep. Oh, well, poo. Yeah. Okay, so we come back from the opening credits, and SG-1 are calling back to the SGC, and Sam requests permission to bring the possible robot back to the SGC for further study. Hammond asks if that would be safe, and Sam believes it would be, along with Daniel adding that it may be the only thing that remains of the civilization, and could possibly tell them what happened. So permission is granted. And the trouble begins. Yes. (laughs) Uh, So Sam is in the lab with the robot and a couple other like techs when Janet comes in. And this android is super fascinating. Sam has isolated some kind of nanotechnology that appears to assist in some sort of self-repair function. Though those nanobots are currently inactive as they're like separated from it, her, it, her kind of interesting like where that pronoun shift mm-hmm. happens here <laughs> sam has located the main power source like on the side of her head and was just about to try accessing it and she pushes something on the side of her neck and like a little mini cd tray slides out of her neck and it's a very cool visual effect i like it, it a lot cool. i like that one yeah Jack and Daniel are heading up into the briefing room, and Daniel is giving Jack a rundown of all the historic civilizations that have writings that mention some kind of artificial life form as vessels for the consciousness before the word robot was ever a thing. Sam is waiting with Hammond, and they're talking about whether or not they should turn the android on. Sam believes she's figured out how to recharge the power source, and she's hoping that the android will be able to teach her about itself, herself. And Sam also mentions that the neurological systems are as complex as a human brain. They would, you know, definitely have a lot to learn from her. Back in the lab, Sam reinserts the power source, closes that little drawer, and nothing. Nothing happens. Mm. Jack suggests that Daniel give her a kiss. Uh Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Yeah, no. When When she takes a breath. And there's a pulse. Mm-hmm. Daniel's like, it has a heartbeat. And Jack's like, it has a heart. Which all very good questions. Yes. Very, very good questions. So the robot sits up, asks where she is. So Daniel kind of takes over, does the introductions. And the robot seems to start panicking a little bit. She says her name is Reese and asks where her father is. They can't really answer that right now. So then she asks how she got there. And Sam gives a very basic explanation of the Stargate. But Reese doesn't seem to know what that is. They also, unfortunately, have to break the news that her entire civilization was destroyed and she seems to be the only survivor. Reese has no idea what happened because her father told her to go to sleep and that he would wake her when the danger was gone. 
Reese asks them what they want, and they just want to understand. They want to understand, you know, her people, her planet, her even, how she works, and all that. And Reese is very confused because she's just like them. And Daniel then interrupts before Sam can continue and is like, can I, can I see you in the hall for a second? <laughs> yeah, sidebar. And so it's become apparent to Daniel that Reese has no idea she's a robot. This confuses Sam and Jack, but Daniel rightly points out that the last time their consciousnesses were in a robot, they had no idea. So, yeah. so do you, at this point in time, do you think that she is lying or like she hasn't quite, her programming hasn't caught up to where she remembers everything? I don't think she's lying. I'm still undecided. I mean, like by the end of the episode, I don't know if she's figured out she's a robot or if she's just figured out she can control electronic things somehow. I mean, there there's arguments to be made for both ways, I think. I don't know. But at this point, I don't think she's lying about or misrepresenting what she knows about herself. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. What about you? Uh, well, I mean... Because it's not that she is, like, vague of, like, oh, I don't know what's going on, you know, like that. But she outright says, like, my father told me to go to sleep when the danger, when we know that's 100% not what happened, is that she was there when the replicators, like, killed everybody and she was all alone and she was sad, so she went to sleep. So, like, that seems more deliberate rather than just, like, I don't, hold on, give me a minute, you know? Yeah, unless it's sort of, like one of the last memories she gave herself is like my father told me to do this. And like her memories, like just loading slowly from like the most recent and like going then back further as the more she's awake and conscious possibly. Maybe. Maybe. I could just like memory loading in reverse a bit. Mm, maybe. Possibly. Maybe. So at the moment, Daniel's arguing that they don't tell her she's a robot, but, robot because she seems very upset because they've told her that her entire planet is dead, including her father, Jack and Sam, for some reason. I don't know why Sam's on Jack's side here, but they're both like, it's a machine, which I mean, okay, but perhaps the consciousness inside belonged to an actual child that had an actual father. You know, they don't really know much at this point. And Daniel then adds, I think our past experience should be telling us to be careful about deciding what is and what isn't a life form. Which, yes, thank you very much, Daniel. Yes, (laughs) Yes. absolutely. Uh, Sam argues back that she has a right to know, which perhaps, yes, but maybe not just like right now. So, okay, fine. So Daniel heads back in to talk with Reese while Jack and Sam hang back in the hall for a second. And Sam raises a very good point. She says, why would someone attack and destroy an entire civilization and leave one piece of incredibly advanced technology intact? So Jack's going to go back, see if maybe they missed something else on the planet while they were there. Good call. So Daniel and Reese are talking as Sam watches from an op- the, like, the observation room that overlooks the lab that they're in. She's asking questions about Earth, and Daniel tells her some general information about like the varying climates and cultures and peoples. And she asks to see it, but he's like, not yet. He first wants to know about the danger that came to her planet, but she looks like she won't talk about it. Like, no. You know what else is interesting is that they don't automatically assume that everyone on her planet was like her. Yes. That it's not, that yeah, that it wasn't an entire civilization of robots. 
right. Yes. That they and assume that she's just a man-made object. That is interesting, yes. Mm-hmm. Mm. So we have Jack Tilk and SG-2 back on Reese's planet, and there's really not anything else there. SG-2 had been searching the building where they found Reese, keeping an eye out for anything unusual. And Major Warren shows Jack a container of some like weird little things he's never seen before. And Jack takes it, looks, and he just gets this look on his face like, a oh, crap. Because um, he they, they found replicator blocks. <sighs> dun, dun, no. dun. At that point in time, would you not call back the SGC and be like, get her out, get her off the planet, get her far away, get her machine, machine, let's figure this out somewhere else. Well, I think what, like, what Jack is thinking and what everybody's initial thought is, which was my initial thought was, the replicators came and destroyed the planet. I don't, I don't know if I would immediately leap to Reese and the replicators having a direct link of some kind. I don't know. It would still put me way up more on guard knowing that she is also a machine. Yeah, I mean, it, it is a very good point of, like, why they didn't further isolate her somehow or, mm-hmm. yeah, just lock her up more secure. Uh, yeah, it yep. is a very good question, yeah. Mm-hmm. So back in Sam's lab, they're looking at one of the little replicators block, and it does appear to be, quote-unquote, dead. So this is a very bad thing because this is the first evidence of replicators in the Milky Way. But also, like, from a long time ago, given, like, the state of the planet when they found it. So if the replicators are what went wrong on Reese's planet, then why did they leave Reese alone? She's, you know, their kind of, quote-unquote, food that the replicators like. Tilk thinks she could have some kind of way of defending against them. Sam suggests perhaps she's giving off some kind of energy signature that repels them, perhaps even just by accident. And we get a bug spray joke here from Jack. Ha ha. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Um, also in the commentary they kind of realized while they were filming the scene that te- that um, replicator blocks could be technically be called Reese's Pieces <laughs> uh, <laughs> which they didn't yeah. like they didn't think about like when they were writing the script and gave her the name they're just like oh wait there's Reese's Pieces uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> which I kind of want to call them Reese's Pieces now <laughs> yeah. yeah I'll allow it yes so if, if there is some kind of repulsion or defense mechanism that Reese has against the replicators, Tilk thinks this could be good news because Reese might be able to then to help the SUC and the Asgard in the, you know, big battle that the Asgard are involved in with the replicators. Hammond then asks how Daniel's coming along in his talks with Reese, and he's like, not so great because she's quite childlike mentally, so it's difficult to hold a conversation. But he does get the feeling that she's hiding something from him. And so Sam thinks it's time to tell Reese the truth. Perhaps being sort of forced to confront the truth that she's a robot will like break through whatever programming is currently in place that might be blocking certain knowledge or memories from coming through, which is an interesting thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I kind of wonder through all of this, like questions that I thought of that they never really answer is like how soon she was actually active before everything started going wonky. Because yeah, she seems to get agitated and defensive and all that stuff like pretty quickly. So if she was man-made by her father, mm-hmm. it, I, I really kind of wondered like how long was she active Oh, on our home planet? Mm-hmm. Mm, very, yeah, that is a good question. Yeah. Because I wonder if her immaturity was 
you know, her her sort of childlike emotional and like mental state right now is because she wasn't active for very long. Mm-hmm. Like while she may have the body of like a teenager, young adult, you know, maybe the father creator never got around to sort of altering the programming enough to mentally age her. Mm-hmm. Up. Yeah. yeah, possibly. So Daniel goes back into Reese's room and she's so happy to see him. And she's made him this cute little sculpture of two people hugging and he tries to get her to sit down. It takes some convincing, but yes, once they talk, then they can go and have some fun. And this is, this is like very much trying to get a toddler to sit down. Let me tell you, it's like, just sit, just sit, (laughs) just sit. Just focus for a second. So he starts explaining to her how, you know, there are different kinds of people and different kinds of life forms. And despite the fact that they look alike on the outside, they are very different on the inside. And I have to say, Danielle Nicolette's line reading of this is boring is so good. (laughs) So good. Yes. Um, But anyway, the point Daniel's getting at is that Daniel is flesh and blood and Reese is a machine and she refuses to believe him actually gets mad enough to shove him very forcefully across the room where Michael Jenks actually crashes into the bookcase. That's actually Michael doing that stunt. Ooh. So uh, she then climbs up on the bed and like bangs on the observation room window where uh, Jack and Sam are sitting yelling to be let out. Mm-hmm. Uh, according to the commentary during that scene, Rick and Amanda would not stop giggling which is why, like, the shots of Daniel and Reese are mostly in close-up because they had to just be like, get, just leave, just leave, get out. <laughs> just leave. So they had to keep it on a tight shot so they weren't, like, the empty window in the background. <laughs> oh, man. You know, some, sometimes funny. you just get the giggles. It, it happens. Sometimes you do. Yeah. So Janet is patching up Daniel out in the hall when Sam and Jack come over and try to figure out, like, what, what the hell just happened? And Sam suggests maybe there's something in her programming that prevents her from acknowledging she's not human. Jack suggests that maybe she's just broken because who knows how long she was on that planet before SG-1 found her. And it might be a good idea to just turn her off. Daniel adds that he's pretty sure Reese didn't mean to hurt him. And Sam thinks they still have too much to learn. So... They don't, nobody's really in favor of turning her off right now. Okay. Okay. So Daniel heads back into the room. Reese hugs him, asks for forgiveness. Yes, he forgives her. Okay, good. She forgives him too. And Daniel's like, what, why? Why, why do you need to forgive me? And she's like, for hurting me. And it's, I didn't hurt you. And she's like, okay, it's fine. And Daniel's like, no, 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 no. Let's like talk about this. But she's so bored. And she, why is everyone afraid of her? Daniel promises that no one is afraid of her. It's all going to be fine. But anyway, she's made him something because he complained earlier that he doesn't get to have as much fun as he would want to. So she goes over to like another little bookcase that's in there. And um, she made him a replicator, which she just calls a toy. Oh, man. Another bigger dun, dun, dun. Like, oh, this is okay. This is this is a replicator is origin happening. story. This is, this this is happening. Is, yep. Mm-hmm. So they're in Sam's lab where they have the replicator in like a acrylic glass box of some kind. And you see Tilk standing by with a very large gun pointed directly at the box. And yep. which like good, very good. Yep. Sam's been looking over the CCTV footage from the room that Reese was in and thinks she's figured out how Reese made the replicator and they see her pick up a pair of little like children's scissors hold them in her hand and she kind of like focuses on it and then they kind of like melt or something and when she opens her hand there's a replicator block there so sam thinks that the nanotechnology that's 
used for self-repair can quote-unquote reorder matter on a microscopic level. So since Reese understands replicators on such a basic level, she should know how to defeat them. But will she tell them? And well, according to Daniel, she's just like not talking at all right now. Stan suggests contacting the Asgard to see if they might be able to help. So Hammond's going to send SG2 to try and make contact. Yay, good plan. Yes. And still, at this point in time, they're still like, let's keep her here on the planet. They're not like, <laughs> okay, so she wants to go out. She wants to have fun. Let's just take her back to the planet I know. from and tell her that we're going to go have fun there and then talk to her. Yes. At no point in time does anybody ever yeah. mention we should get her off planet. Let's go away from here. Like, I mean, yep. they do clear all, like, the metal out of the room that she's in. But still. Yeah. Why is she still on Earth? Yes. Yeah. Especially no. since she keeps wanting to leave. They could just easily be like, we're going to go play. Yes. Let's go take a trip. Very, very light years, light years mm-hmm. away. Yep. So Jack and Daniel go to talk to Reese while Sam and Tilk stay in the lab, like watching the replicator and they're watching like over the monitors, what's happening in there. And Jack and Daniel are trying to get the truth out of Reese. And the interesting thing is that when she starts getting to like angry or agitated, the replicator also starts behaving angry slash agitated. So there, there's an interesting link there. And so as we've all figured it out, it turns out that Reese is the one who made the replicators. She initially just made them as a toy because the people on her planet thought she was bad and that her father made her wrong. She then taught them to make more of themselves and to defend them and her from the people who wanted to destroy her. But then they got out of control and killed everyone and she tried to stop them, but they wouldn't listen to her anymore. And so she went to sleep because they killed everybody and then left and she was all alone and scared. Which it it is, it is quite sad. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. So Jack then has a little bit of sympathy and actually asks for Reese's help. And Daniel tells Reese how dangerous that the replicators have become and that they need to know how to stop them. And Reese is like, no, you want to destroy me. And we see the replicator in Sam's lab kind of like headbutt the glass box starts cracking. It sprays that little acid thing that the replicators have breaks out till shoots it. And Reese reacts almost as if she can feel it, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's still connected to it a little bit. Yes. So SG-2 have been unable to contact the Asgard, and it would be a shame if the Asgard have actually been defeated by the replicators, just as a possible solution may have fallen into their lap. But whatever's going on with Reese, why she's doing this, why she did what she did, they need to turn her off. She's too much of a danger. And Jack's like, that's going to go well. Yeah, no. No, it's not. Mm-hmm. Not at all. So the cameras in Reese's room then shut off and the SFs can't get them back online and they also can't open the door to her room. So one of the guards heads upstairs to the observation room, yells, they're here, which I'm not sure they are at this point, then is the replicators. And as the camera focuses on Reese just sitting calmly in her room, you can hear shouting and the sounds of gunfire out in the hall. So if she didn't have any metal in the room, how did she actually make them? Um, Sam posits, like, I think in the next scene that she must have made enough block to actually, like, make two replicators, like, the first time around, or Mm. there were just some extra blocks left over from, like, the one that she made for Daniel. Mm, Something, yeah. Yeah. All right. 
Oh, and then James uh, on the commentary talked about like whenever he can with the replicators, he always has them like crawl over the camera just because it's super creepy and very effective. <laughs> it's super creepy. It's super cool. Yeah. yeah. I like that. It's like one of his favorite things to do, apparently. So I like that. It was very yeah. good effect. I agree. Yes. Well done. So SG-1 are back down on that level where Reese's room is when the alarms start going off and they see a couple of the guards down on the floor having been injured from the replicator attack. Reese is also no longer in the room, so Jack picks up the nearby phone, calls to Hammond, and tells him what's going on. There's replicators and a robot on the loose. They need to lock down the base, do a full sweep, like clear it all out. But Sam's also like, please take Reese in one piece, please. <laughs> Which, like, I get it, but also like, really? Really? That's really? what you're concerned about? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they're not sure how this happened because they'd taken everything out of a room that could be used to make replicator blocks. And this is where Sam's like, she must have made okay. enough the first time around and we, they yeah, just yeah. didn't find them or whatever. Um, so we see like Jack and Tilk leaving guards through the halls to try and clear the base. And Sam and Hammond are in the control room trying to get things shut down. But the replicators have made it into the power systems and Sam starts trying to get the computer, like the dialing computer locked down when one of the guards calls over the radio to let them know that the replicators have been spotted on level 28 heading towards the gate room and then a replicator like drops down from the ceiling onto the computer right in front of sam and she's like i think we should like retreat and wait for backup and just before they leave the doors to the gate room opened and in walks reese with an army of replicators and then the blast doors close <gasps> no so everybody meets up out in the hall. Daniel thinks perhaps Reese is just trying to go home. And Jack's like, let her. Just let her go. Fine. Yep. Send her back home. We'll let the Asgard know where she is. Or maybe even just, like, send a nuke after her. But they're like, no, they can't let her leave. It's too dangerous now. It's like, well, it's too it's dangerous for like, you. Really? Like, what? I don't know. Oh like, I get it. But also, like, really? Um, as always, Daniel wants to try talking to her. And Jack's like, and then he's like, I, I don't know. I'm making this up. I like, I won't. Who knows what to do in this situation? How, how can you plan for this? I don't know. Right. So Sam wants to let him because she thinks if he could get close enough, he might be able to shut her down. And as the replicators are still under her control, they might then also shut down. And Jack thinks this is a bad idea, but Hammond is willing to let Daniel try. Okay. Here we go. <sighs> Daniel heads into the gate room and pleads with Reese not to go. He wants her to stay so that they can be friends. And she kind of finally starts to believe him and, like, walks down the ramp. And as she gets close, he, like, reaches for, like, her shoulder and neck and tries to go for the power switch. But, like, no, she knows what he's doing. Craps his wrist, twists it, and, like, kind of throws him down on the ground. He's trying to disable her. He insists, no, he's not. But she knows he's lying, and lying is bad. He really did want to be her friend, though. He was not lying. No. Yeah. He wasn't. Although I do think... Daniel, in this one more than not, I think he is kind of like naive about the fact that she didn't, it like the extremes didn't have to happen. I think he was a little naive about that one. Like it got really bad fast. It did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we see Sam and Hammond monitoring the situation from like one of the control rooms, a couple floors up and the cameras in the gate room go dark. So she radios down to Jack and, the team that he's with outside, they start getting uh, like a torch ready to cut through the gate room door. So Hammond tells Sam that they'll need to set the self-destruct to prevent the repli replicators from leaving the base. And Sam's like, we'll have to do it locally because the replicators have now taken over the main computer. 
Daniel's pleading with Reese to just listen, please. And we see out in the hall, Jack Tilk and the guards shooting at the replicators, which is like freaking out Reese inside. Like she's, it's like almost like she's taking all the gunshots herself too, which she'd like great, great acting here from like yeah. everybody. Yeah. It's so good. Yes. Yeah. Sam and Hammond are making their way through the halls to the self-destruct. They radio to Jack that they've said it and he's got five minutes before it goes. There's a couple of replicators that show up in the self-destruct room, but Sam and Hammond take them out. And Donis, anytime Don gets to carry a gun, he's like a happy man. <laughs> like, it's really cool seeing, like, Hammond and, like, the combat yeah. fatigues and the gun and everything, because he's, like, never gets to do that, so. I know, yeah. He looks yeah. good doing it, too. He looks he good does. doing it, yeah. That he does, yep. Mm-hmm. So Daniel's still pleading with Reese to try and stop. He's basically, like, yells the truth at her that she did destroy her world, that everything that happened was her fault, but no one here wants to harm her. They just want her to stop this so that what happened there on her world doesn't also happen here, and that she can do that. She can control this situation. So back in the self-destruct room, there's a replicator that's sort of in like the hole that the replicators had burned through the door. And it's kind of like, pause it, like it's kind of wavering. Like it doesn't, it kind of doesn't know what it wants to do, but we still see the replicators are still attacking like Jack and Tilk and all of those guys. Daniel's yelling that Reese's father made her wrong. She did destroy her world, but she didn't mean to. And he's like, I know, I know you didn't mean to, but you have to stop this. You have to tell your toys to stop, go to sleep, and then we, we can figure out maybe how, how, how to fix you, how to make this right. And she doesn't believe him. The replicator back in the self-destruct room then lunges for Sam and Hammond, and it seems like Reese might be starting to lose control. So Daniel promises Reese that he'll wake her up. He's her friend. He doesn't want her to die. She doesn't want him to die either. No. It's all um, Yeah. Tilk and the guards, they're surrounded by replicators. The one airman has finally finished cutting a hole in the gate room door. Jack rushes in, shoots Reese. She, like, flies back because it's, like, a whole bunch of buckshot. Daniel rushes over as she, like, dies, quote-unquote, uh, the replicators out in the hall all fall apart. They've been disabled. Jack heads over to Reese, takes out the power source, and he radios that the robot has been neutralized, and Hammond confirms that the self-destruct is also deactivated. Daniel starts crying, calls Jack stupid son of a bitch, which... Yeah, this is a conversation oh. where it's like, Daniel, you're a little naive on this one. <laughs> you, yeah, like, mm. Daniel seems convinced that the replicator stopped because Reese told them to... But there's no way Jack or anyone, like even Daniel, could have known that. Daniel's just not happy with Jack right now. And the only chance they had to be able to stop the replicators has been destroyed. Jack apologizes, which was not in the script. That was Rook being like, I think Jack needs to like, apologize to his mm-hmm. friends. Because he did something that caused his friend pain. So mm-hmm. Jack yeah. apologizes. Oh, okay. But like th- this is the only way it could have happened. Jack then calls over the radio for a full sweep of the base to make sure it's all clear, and he exits, leaving Daniel sitting on the floor crying over Reese as we get the end. Well, so here's the interesting thing, is that she is a machine, Mm -hmm. but they were were very quick to, I mean, I know they were going to try and shut her down, um, but like after she was shot... They all were very quick to assume, like, she's dead, she's never coming back, whatever, rather than being like, we could try to repair her, we can we can try to fix and bring her back, you know, like. Yeah. 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 I will say the one thing 
in the scene that's interesting, and I saw it race in a, a couple places online. So, like, Reese has self-repairing nanobots. She could have fixed herself. The fact that she didn't, I'm sort of then on the side of Daniel where she actually controlled the replicators and, like, did that and got them to stop and, like, deactivate or whatever and then, like, shut herself down because she could have fixed herself that she's a robot. It's part of her, like, makeup is these self-repairing mm-hmm. nanobots. So, I don't know. That's my yeah. argument for why I'm maybe slightly more on Daniel's side at the end yeah. of this whole that thing. That she made this sacrificial decision. Yes. Mm, well, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. And, of course, I don't remember, but, like, is this the only time this is ever, like, mentioned? Is this never heard no. from again? No, it or... does come up. It does. In season six, I think. I'm trying to remember the, where that episode is. Because they would Something. definitely want to study absolutely everything they can about yeah. her, even if she's yeah, not there, active. There is, it comes up briefly in season six, and then again in season eight, that, like, uh, like the Asgard do come and, like, pick up Reese. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So, um, and then we'll, we'll get there when we get there, but it's, it, this storyline is not dropped. Not isolated. Really. Okay. It's not. Yeah. There, there, there's little mentions of it here and there in future episodes. Yeah. Okay. So. Well, that's good. Cause this yes. is definitely a storyline that could definitely be pursued further. Absolutely. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, no. My final little fun fact for this episode is that this was Don Davis's 100th episode. <gasps> Yay. Well, then maybe that was his request where he's like, I want to shoot a gun. <laughs> I shoot a gun. It's my 100th episode. Let me shoot a gun. <laughs> Put me in, coach. I want to shoot yes. yes. Possibly. Very much. Yes. Yeah. Um, okay. So episode title. So menace. Looked up the definition of menace. Uh, we have a possible danger or threat. The quality of being threatening or a troublesome or annoying person. I think that, oh. I think that describes the situation quite well. Yeah, that is all-encompassing. So Um, does Extreme Measures. I don't know if Extreme Measures works here, actually. Jack went to Extreme Measures. Did he? He just shot the threat. I don't know if that's really extreme. Well, I mean, I feel like creating toys and then being afraid that people want to destroy you, so you teach them to kill people, and then that gets out of hand. I think okay. that is quite an extreme measure. I guess maybe. When your situation is people just kind of feel like you were made a little wrong. Yes. I think that's pretty extreme. It could be. Okay. Maybe. Resulting in the entire annihilation of your planet. Yeah. I'm going to go with that. Okay. All right. Yeah. I, I, I will buy your argument. <laughs> okay. You'll buy what I'm selling. Yeah. For now. <laughs> for now. <laughs> for now. Maybe not later, but for yeah. now, accept it. Okay. Yeah. No really fun foreign territory titles. They were basically all menace except for Germany, which I'll, I'll, do, do you want to guess what Germany called this? I'll give you two guesses. Uh, Reese's Robots? You, you shorten, shorten it a lot. Robot Sh- Reese? No. One no. word. Just Reese? Yup. <laughs> <laughs> just, called, just called it Reese. That's funny. Uh well, you know, they get to the point. So if you're they ever do. talking about a Stargate episode again, and you just be like, what was that one called? Reese. Oh. Uh, that one. Yeah. yeah. The one yeah. with Reese mm-hmm. in it. Okay. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> they don't get fancy. They don't need to. Nope. Let's get right, right to it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Um, before we wrap up, we have another email 
Yay! Me. Uh, this is from Andrew in the UK, uh, sort of in response to the conversation we had last week about Gould host selection. Ah, yes, that one was yes. fun. That was fun, yes. <laughs> okay, so he says, hi, Rachel Carey. I had a thought about the selection process for Gould that you had discussed recently. So playing devil's advocate, I want to flip the idea that the Gould, ho the Gould selects hosts based on the host's culture. By doing so, they're impressing the host's population. The Gould are probably too selfish to care about impressing the host's population. I think they probably select hosts that suit their symbiote's needs and wants most. So tall and athletic may have been great for Goulds, but not for host population. This in turn means that the Gould may have been the originators of the idea that tall and athletic is the ideal. Being the most powerful beings among the host population means they become the trendsetters. This is probably why the ideal body type is unattainable by most, because it is intended for a different species entirely. At least that is the, the excuse I use for my dad bod. <laughs> Again, <laughs> loving the podcast. Always listen as it drops. Andrew from the UK. Well, thank you, Andrew. That is Andrew, that's an interesting. Yeah. Ah, that they weren't, that they were just too above caring what's optimal in the species eyes. Yes. Hmm, interesting. It's interesting, yes. Well, I mean, I would say yes and no to that because they okay. still would want to use all the tools at their disposal for having the rest of the species worship them, as it were. Yes. And obviously being desirable helps. Yes. So. So, yeah. Again, I, I do think it, it, I don't think he's, I think what Andrew's saying does kind of play mm -hmm. into like what we were talking about where, the host being chosen is ideal for the population and culture that it's in. Possibly, right. like, the absolute ideal mm -hmm. to okay. to impress and be like, look at how awesome I am, I think. Yeah, yeah, maybe. okay. All right. Yeah. yeah. Maybe. Like but it. maybe coming at it from a slightly different angle than we had previously talked about. Yeah. A little yeah. bit. Yeah. Those ghouls, those silly, yeah. silly things that we don't even know what they sound like. Nope, still have no idea. <laughs> we need to keep bringing it up so we don't forget. So eventually yes. someday yes, when we find out, we'll be like, ah, fantastic. Somebody please tell us. Anyway. <laughs> um, okay, so final thoughts on Menace. Now that we've watched it and talked about it, where how do you feel about it? I like it. It was a surprise origin story that you didn't see coming until all of a sudden you went, oh, because that's exactly what I did out loud. And then, <laughs> <laughs> and then they proceed to tell you that. And then, yes. yeah, no, I liked it. I thought it was good. Yeah. I thought it was well thought out as an origin story that, that just kind of took you by surprise. Yes, I agree. Yeah, I like this one. This is this is one of my favorites for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you're totally right. Excellent acting all the way around. Yes, like there, there was a lot of discussion in like that final scene between Daniel and Reese about like the acting that like Danielle and Michael were doing and how impressed everybody was with like what they did. And a lot of times they just like set up the camera and just like let them go, <laughs> and, like just just do just they just did the acting and it was great. Yeah, and, yeah. Do your thing with the acting and the string the of the thing. words and the go. Yes, go act now. Do. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening. You can find us on Instagram at SG underscore rewatch and now on Discord. Please check the show notes for the link, or you can send us an email at woo, that's W-O-O-S-G rewatch at 
gmail.com. Don't forget to rate and review us, please. And we will see you next time for The Sentinel. Bye. Bye.